0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host and still America's most beloved self-loving homosexual Miller Frost here as always with White Boy Malcolm X and I guess if you had listened to last week's podcast you'll know what this means. I am also Uncle Lindsay. but we will get into that later. This week obviously is the second of the two birth weeks for White Boy Malcolm X. We did last week's show which was our gayest show ever just for him so in my pile again this week we start with the gay stuff and I think this will be our second gayest show ever well I know it will be at least our second gayest show ever it may top last week's gayest show ever so we're gonna go right into it in just a second but White Boy Malcolm X I I told you I would do this in the podcast I did actually watch the first episode of your new eye candy show Kingdom well it was, it was. Um, how do I put this? That was. I mean, it was a train wreck, in some ways. I think mean, it was okay. I don't. Am I going to sit there and watch what three seasons of this? No, I'm uh, not going to do that. But you enjoy. I, I'm trying to figure out which one you have the hots for. I did not know that one of the Joni brothers, uh, the Jonas brothers, was one of those kids was in that. The young one. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's the one. And on that note, let's let's move on. This is from Out.com. We're going to kick off our second gay show ever with this. The village people will sue you for saying YMCA is about gay sex. The heterosexual frontman... Yes, White Boy Malcolm X. Apparently the the, uh, lead singer for the village people is straight. The heterosexual frontman for the village people wants you to know the iconic song YMCA is not about illicit gay sex warning he's going to sue anyone who suggests otherwise. Victor Willis, who was apparently heterosexual, better known as the sexy cop with one heck of a nightstick, who was a heterosexual, laid down the law about the meaning of the lyrics he wrote and he's claiming it had nothing to do with hot guys hooking up at the local young men's Christian association. I will sue the next media organization or anyone else that falsely suggests YMCA is somehow about illicit gay sex, Willis warned via Facebook, later adding, Get your mind out of the gutter, please. Willis posted he wrote 100% of the lyrics to YMCA and declared, I had to know what my song is about. In 2017, the singer and songwriter told News.com the song was actually about his youth and the time spent hanging with his friends in an urban neighborhood. You can hang out with the boys was a term about me and my friends playing basketball at the Y, he explained, although he said he wrote the song to apply to anyone's lifestyle. So, White Boy Malcolm X, just so we're clear, we better not say, we are not saying here on the Miller Frost Show, that the Y M C, YMCA is about illicit gay sex. I would never say that because Mr. Willis, the heterosexual frontman, the sexy cop with one heck of a nightstick, according to Out.com, who is straight, will sue us. So we're not going to talk about that at all. Now that Bisexual Awareness Week is over, and we did celebrate that on last week's podcast, today is National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Did you know that, White Boy Malcolm X? The 27th of September is National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day. And this is an article on Patch.com, but it was written by the, of all... Listen to this, the New Jersey Poison (laughs) Control Center has written about, I don't know what that says about us, National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day letter is written by the New Jersey (laughs) Poison Control Center. Anyway, let's dig into this. September 27th is National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day, and they actually have an acronym for that, NGMHAAD, like anyone is ever going to remember it. A time to remember the historic impact of HIV and AIDS on gay, bisexual, and other men who have had sex with men. And that is (laughs) MSM. That's other men in the United States. Even with white boy, what is... So you have gay, we got that. We got bisexual, and what do we say about bisexuals? They'll do anyone. And then you have other men who have had sex with... So I don't know... Yeah, well, it could be transgender, whatever, all the other, the the, the people with the funky pronouns. Yes, I guess that could be other men or people who identify as men. So yes, that is true, and I, I stand corrected. Thank you for pointing that out to me. So let's pick that back up. Even with today's effective prevention and treatment options, HIV continues to affect this community the most when compared to other communities. And if you don't know what the most means, that means disproportionate. Gay, bisexual and other MSM account for the largest number of new HIV diagnoses and the largest number of individuals living with HIV in the United States. National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day empowers gay, bisexual and other MSM to talk openly about HIV risk, testing, proven prevention strategies and effective treatment options. Are you do you feel empowered today? I kind of do. I I feel slightly empowered myself. <laughs> Couples must be encouraged to get tested together and to talk openly about their test results, otherwise known as HIV status. (laughs) What moron wrote this? Some behaviors and activities put gay, bisexual, and other MSM at higher risk for HIV, but there are proven strategies to lower risk. Knowing your HIV status and your partner's status helps you to make safer choices that keep you both healthy. We must acknowledge lessons learned from the nearly 40-year history of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Stigma, homophobia, and discrimination greatly affect the health and well-being of those most at risk of HIV. These challenges may prevent gay, bisexual, and other MSM from getting and receiving medical care, including prevention and treatment services for HIV and other sexually transmitted infections. Many gay, bisexual, and other MSM feel their family doctors and other health care providers are not familiar with LGBTQ health issues preventing them from receiving appropriate medical care and support services in a, in a safe and inclusive environment. But not being in medical care, gay, bisexual, and other MSM are at high risk for HIV and other sexually transmitted infections like syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and hepatitis. I assume they mean that that's the doctor's fault. <laughs> you know, I don't know why this is such a big deal. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody ca- HIV, and I'm being serious about this, Nobody cares about HIV anymore because right now it's a pill a day. In my day, it killed you or it came close to killing you. It killed a lot of people, it killed several people that I knew. But nowadays, eh, it's just a pill a day. The number of people, if you look at the younger generations, number of millennials, and I'm sure the, the Gen Z brats who have HIV, because they're like, eh, whatever. I don't need a condom. I can do this. I can do that. A little bit risky here because it's just a pill. They don't really care anymore. So I don't even know why we're celebrating this. A little bit of gay and a little bit of politics. Chuck Schumer fears for queer daughters' marriage after RBG's death. And there's that word queer again. U.S. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer has expressed <gasps> grave concern over the future of his daughter Allison Schumer's marriage to Elizabeth Wheeland, considering the shortlist of anti LGBTQ Supreme Court nominees. Donald Trump is considering to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and this article is just a few days old because they've already nominated that that nutty Catholic, that crazy woman that's going to kill all of us, she's going to have us all put down. His daughter and daughter-in-law, who wed in 2018, were immediately concerned for their future as a married couple. They asked, Could their right to marry be undone, Schumer said in a Senate speech, while the country mourned Ginsburg a champion of equality and civil rights? Democrats and Republicans alike praised her, but in his speech, Schumer had his eye on the bigger picture. The kind words and lamentations are totally meaningless if he moves to tear down everything Justice Ginsburg built, Schumer said of Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. <gasps> oh, no, You know, Chuck, Chuck is such a damn drama queen. <laughs> if there ever was one. Has anyone White Boy Malcolm X, correct me if I'm wrong, has anyone heard anything about from Donald Trump about gay rights? I I have I have not heard a word about this. I mean, seriously, can we change this broken record? Because I can't take this anymore. I remember, this is what, the election 2000, I think. George W. Bush, so that was, uh, yeah, that was 2000. And everyone was going nuts because there was a Republican president and a Republican Congress and the Queens back in the day. This was, what, 20 years ago. The Queens back then. <laughs> We're getting the vapors because, oh, he's going to kill us. He's going to round us up and do all horrible, all these horrible things to us. And nothing happened. Nothing really happened. And so all this stupid melodrama from like Chuck the drama queen about his poor lesbian daughter who's about to be oppressed. And it's just it's just a bunch of BS. I've lived in Chicago twice. So this is I find this is just an interesting story because I used to live there. Chicago's Gaborhood ditches male-focused name. And no, I did not live in the Gaborhood. I lived in other areas, but I have been to the Gaborhood. Chicago's most famous LGBTQ neighborhood, long known as Boys Town, will now have the more inclusive monitor of North Halsted. at least in official marketing materials and for purposes of city recognition. The North Halstead Business Alliance, the chamber of commerce for the neighborhood centered on North Halsted Street, announced the change Wednesday. The business group did a survey in response to Chicagoans who objected to the gendered name as exclusionary. This summer, for instance, activist Devlin Camp created a Change.org petition calling on the alliance to change the name, quote, to promote the inclusion of transgender, non-binary, lesbian, and intersex individuals, unquote. The petition noted—I guess Devlin has nothing better to do—the petition noted that among the best-known LGBTQ plus neighborhoods in the U.S., only Chicago's had a gendered nickname. In the business group survey, 58% of respondents favored keeping the Boys Town name, but leaders thought it was not enough to merit it. Chicago TV station WMAQ (laughs) reports—no, those stupid bigots— Times change. We're all about inclusivity here, spokesperson Jen Gordon told the station. We want people to feel welcome. Well, I've been to Boys Town several times, many times over the years, back in the nineties and back in the uh the knots before twenty ten. And do you know who goes out in Boys Town, Whiteboard Queens. Gay men, it's a bunch of gay men <laughs> I, I'm sure there are a couple of lesbians in there. I'm sure there's some transgender in there. But it's mostly a bunch of gay men running around. So, I mean, they're just going to strip them of boys down to be inclusive. Good for them. This is a follow-up story, White Boy Malcolm X. Tom Brenneman resigning from Red's job after anti-gay slur. Longtime Red's play-by-play man, Tom Brenneman, is resigning from the Fox Sports Ohio after he was suspended last month for using a homophobic slur that was caught on air by a hot mic. My family and I have decided that I'm going to step away from my role as the television voice of the Cincinnati Reds, Brenneman said in a statement to ABC affiliate WCPO in Cincinnati. Tom, I hate to break it to you, but you were suspended. You can step away all you want. You were stepped away by force. I would like to thank the Reds, Reds fans, and the LGBTQ community for the incredible support and grace they have shown my family and me. To this great city, my hometown, a sincere thank you. I truly regret what I said, and I'm so very sorry. No one loves this town more than me. After a commercial break during one of the first games of the Reds-Royals doubleheader in August, Brennaman was caught saying one of the fag capitals of the world. Before the Reds, po- and yes, I can say that because I am America's most beloved self-loving homosexual. Before the Reds pulled him from the booth during the second game, Brennaman apologized for his comment. He has since reached out to leading LGBTQ leaders in Cincinnati, and I can only imagine what they look like, among others, to better educate himself and work towards forgiveness. I am grateful for the forgiveness so many have extended to me, especially those in the LGBTQ community who I have met, spoken with, and listened to almost daily for five weeks. With their continued guidance, I hope to be a voice for positive change. Can you imagine Malcolm X listening to these queens daily for five weeks? God, if I quit drinking, I would start right back up. Well, I guess guess good for him. Oh, although, you know what? I didn't pull the article. Completely forgot. People are still, quote-unquote, very angry about this. There was an article about this where people were still enraged that he referred to one of the fad capitals of the world. And the, the question I have, the only question I have is... What, what city? I don't even know what the city is. I just want to know what one of the fag cap... I mean, I can guess, but I want to know what Tom Brennerman meant by one of the fag capitals of the world. We're never going to get that answer. Apparently, white boy Malcolm X, I am not the only Uncle Lindsay. I mean, listen to this headline. Queer men to forego their morals this November with a thumping 45% vowing to back Donald Trump. As much as a widening gulf has yawned between LGBTQ voters and U.S. President Donald Trump over the years, apparently launching an array of anti queer policies, which I n- have never heard of, and overall not caring about queer people, is enough to get them to vote for you. A survey of around 1,200 queer male Americans I am so over the word queer <laughs> found that 45%, about 540 people, plan to vote for Trump. <gasps> oh no. As much, and that's literally written in the article, oh no. As much as Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has netted an albeit slim majority of the queer male vote, securing 51%, it signaled to pollsters how the president's brand of bullish showmanship has roiled the political landscape. Indeed, the LGBT plus voting bloc has long been reliably Democratic. The poll conducted by queer dating app Hornet found that Overall, among its users, around 66% prefer Biden, while 34% support Trump. I've never even heard of Hornet. Have you? I don't know what the hell that is. But for queer Americans, pollsters said the statistics... Well, I don't know who's answering that question. Obviously, a bunch of nutty Republicans are on Hornet. But for queer Americans, pollsters said the statistics were far tighter together. Just less than half the queer men said they do not support Trump, and a slither of the just 11% said they generally disagree with his stances. Only 10% emphatically said they do not support him at all and would not vote for him regardless. 9% were more conflicted, the poll found, in that they agreed with some but not all of his views. Only 27% of respondents mostly or fully supported Trump. This gets better. Listen to this mapping out support for Trump. The poll found that across Hornets Global 10,000 users, queer men on almost every continent other than Africa supported Biden more than Trump, across a spawning margin of 54% to 25%. The question I have is are they that self-loathing in Africa, apparently. I guess all these queens are self-loathing. I mean, seriously, if if all these people, 45% of gay men are going to vote for that horrible racist homophobic pig Donald Trump, I'm not the only self loathing uncle that's here out here, apparently. I guess they just don't want to get taken for granted. I mean, look at look at the black community. What, what do they get? Like 90, Democrats get 90 plus percent of the black vote and what do they get? For? They don't get great schools. They, you know they don't the communities are kind of crappy and you know, look at all that crime. Okay, let's dig into some some transgender news. So first, we've already determined that Star Wars was racist. We knew that because we did did a podcast a little while ago about how racist Star Wars was. And now it is homophobic, or transphobic, I should say. Star Wars fans demand Disney fire Mandalorian star accused of mocking trans people with boop-beep pronouns rant. Gina Carano, who appeared in the Star Wars series The Mandalorian, has... Have you seen that? It's got Baby Yoda. Okay. How could you not have seen that White Boy Malcolm X? It's, it's it's actually not bad. It's not bad. I saw the Baby Yoda. It's kind of funny, but it's, it's actually a pretty good show. So let's pick that back up. Gina Carano, who appears in the Star Wars series The Mandalorian, has been criticized after adding boop, bop, beep to her Twitter profile in lieu of pronouns. <gasps> Uh-oh. The Mandalorian actor and former MMA star was accused of quote-unquote mocking trans people with the update, prompting calls for Disney Plus to remove her from the series. Carana, who plays Cara Dune in the Star Wars spinoff, added boop-bop-beep to her profile after fans asked if she would display her pronouns as an act of trans-solidarity. Though all people, cis and trans, have pronouns, the act of sharing them on social media bios and in person has been popularized by trans and non-binary people hoping to avoid being misgendered. Many cis people do the same to support the trans community. Carano acknowledged that this convention has been explained to her by Mandalorian co-star Pedro Pascal, whose pronouns are displayed in his Twitter name. Yes, Pedro and I spoke and he helped me understand why people were putting them in their bio, she tweeted Saturday. I didn't know before, but I do now. Despite this, Carano insisted, I won't be putting them in my bio, but good for all of you who choose to. She painted this as the decision to stand against bullying and to uphold the freedom to choose. I'm not against trans lives at all. They need to find less abusive representation, she argued. Beep bop boop has zero to do with mocking trans people and 100% to do with exposing the bullying mentality of the mob that has taken over the voices of many genuine causes, she wrote. I like this chick. I do. I like her a lot. Let's face it. I mean, the trans community is the biggest pack of bullies. I thought queens were nasty and vindictive, but, but crap, they got nothing on the trans community. They, these folks have no sense of humor whatsoever. I think she's just trying to be cheeky about it, and you don't, you're you not funny. You, you put those frickin' pronouns in, or they're going to have your scalp. Speaking of trans bullying, they're, they're, they love to whip on J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, Platform's Anti-Trans Shop, selling Lesbians Don't Have Penises and F Your Pronouns merch. J.K. Rowling broke her Twitter silence following the release of her heavily criticized new book by sharing a new purchase, a This Witch Doesn't Burn t-shirt from a store which also sells anti-trans merchandise. Well, I guess I know what I'm getting you for your birthday, White Boy Malcolm X. Sometimes a t shirt just speaks to you, Rolling wrote, posting a link to the Wild Women Workshop, and that's Woman, W O M Y N, workshop web store, and using the hashtag Support Women Run Businesses. Though the t shirt Rolling bought is innocuous in itself, Wild Women Workshop is a hotbed of anti trans messaging and merchandise. Directly underneath its feminist witch category is a gender-critical collection boasting badges that read F your pronouns and don't call me cis, as well as stickers with messages such as lesbians don't have penises (laughs) and trans ideology erases women. Wow, you don't say that to the trans community. The site is run by Angela C. Wild, a co-founder of the anti-trans lesbian separatist group Get the L Out. So let me see if I got this right, Wipo Malcolm X. J.K. Rowling goes online and she buys a This Witch Doesn't Burn t-shirt. <laughs> and they're all upset about that. And they're upset about the lesbian who runs this place. I have to say, folks, there is a huge, huge rift. And I will get into it in another show. But there is a huge rift between lesbians and transgenders. Just enormous about what is or is not a woman. And the lesbians, I got to give them credit. They're not having it. So I, I really don't think, and tell me if you disagree with by Malcolm X, I don't think anyone actually in the LGBTQ plus community actually likes the transgenders. I don't think anyone likes them. I, I, they're, they're a pack of nasty assholes. They really are. They go after anyone, anyone and everyone. And I just, I just think these queens, I think most of them are terrified to say anything unless they get called out as anti-trans. You know, screw you people. And, and, and I never thought I would ever hear myself saying this, but I stand with the lesbians on this. Some of these, some of these people, God. It keeps getting better, White Malcolm X. It keeps getting better. And this is from Pink News. As non-binary people, do we really want legal recognition or should we be fighting to abolish gender categories entirely? And this is actually out of Great Britain. The long-awaited government response to the Gender Recognition Act consultation has arrived, with very limited changes after two years of speculation and increasingly panicked dialogue in my group chat. In brief, the fee for legal gender recognition is going to be scrapped, and very little else has changed. Of the many demands for Gender Recognition Act reform that were put forward by trans campaigners, otherwise known as just full-on bullies, and ignored by the government, one was legal recognition of non-binary people. The government's own National LGBT Survey suggested that 53% of trans people in the UK are non-binary. Many specific examples of ways in which current policy negatively impacts non-binary people were included in the government report analyzing the GRA responses, including access to transition-related healthcare, with one response quoted in the report saying, People are made to prove how trans they are. This should end. Buried 130 pages into the report comes an acknowledgement that there seemed to be an increasing number of people who identified as non-binary, but that there were complex practical consequences for other areas of the law, service provision, and public life if provision were to be made for non-binary gender recognition in the GRA. Well, folks, there is no more great in Great Britain. I mean, who cares anymore? People, I mean, they get to pick their own pronouns. (laughs) They get to pick their own, I mean, the only pronouns you cannot use, folks, are be, bop, <laughs> but But most of the time, you can pick your own pronouns. And that's what it's let You pick your gender. If you want to be male, you want to be female, other, you can be what. Make it up. Who cares? That is that out of the formerly Great Britain. Well, we have to end with a couple campy gay stories, just for you, white, Malcolm X, since it is your birthday. Man viciously stabbed in the stomach by someone who thought he's gay. A man in the state of Washington has been taken into custody for allegedly stabbing two people he was hanging out with, and investigators believe that the attack was motivated by (gasps) homophobia. Court records say that Jose Mendoza-Sandoval, 26, was at his home in Pasco this past Saturday night when he got into an argument with another man who was there, the Tri-City Herald reports. As the argument got more heated, Mendoza-Sandoval allegedly threatened to beat the man up, saying that the man was gay... (laughs) Somehow, I don't think that's what he said. Mendoza Sandoval then allegedly went to his room to get a knife, and he came back and threatened the other man again. A third man tried to grab the knife away, and after the struggle, the man who was called gay was stabbed in the stomach and cut on his hand. The man who intervened was also cut with the knife. But the two men, who have not been named in the media, were able to get the knife away from Mendoza Sandoval and held him down until police arrived. My goodness. Well, that was quite the party there. I mean, they got got three of them there. I wonder what they were doing. Man allegedly shot at a woman because she called him gay. A Louisiana man, and this story is not only for White Boat Malcolm X, this is also for my Summit Mistress. A Louisiana man is facing charges for allegedly pointing a gun at a woman's head after she called him gay. Police in Monroe arrested Frederick Jarrell Davis, 34, for allegedly shooting at the victim on September 16th. The victim said that Davis went to her apartment that day and then got upset. Victim stated that Davis was upset because she called him (laughs) a gay ass earlier in the evening, the arrest report states. Davis then allegedly pointed a gun at her. Later, he shot the firearm, hitting a wall in the apartment. David was arrested on suspicion of aggravated assault with a firearm, but is denying the allegations. Wipe out, Malcolm X, you gay ass. What do you think? God, I hope he's not a member of the tribe. That's all I'm going to say. Woof. Gay ass. Okay, let's jump into the race stuff. I was on LinkedIn the other day. <laughs> I guess they know all about me because I was suggest they have these, you know, they suggest certain things to you. And I guess they have LinkedIn Learning and they suggested this course. And the course, <laughs> only me, only me, wiped boy, Malcolm X unconscious bias <laughs> was the course they recommended for me to take so i wanted to read this this course to you. i had to print this out and this is the uh, the course overview we're all biased our expect but especially white people our experiences shape who we are and our race ethnicity gender height weight sexual orientation place of birth and other factors impact the lens with which we view the world in this course Diversity expert Stacy Gordon helps you recognize and acknowledge what is a diversity expert. I'm just I know those. I know the diverse ones. You're black. You're Latino. <laughs> Real smart. You with the swish. You're gay. So she she must she picks them when she sees them, I guess. Anyway, diversity expert Stacy Gordon helps you recognize and acknowledge your own biases so that you can identify them when making decisions and prevent yourself from making calls based on a biased viewpoint. Stacy explains some of the most common forms that a bias takes. Affinity bias, halo bias, perception bias, and confirmation bias. She helps you recognize the negative effects of bias within your organization, as well as the benefits to be realized by the uncovering bias and decision-making processes. Finally, she outlines strategies for overcoming personal and organizational bias. Would you worry Would you like to know the learning objectives for this, this LinkedIn class? The learning objective, there are six of them. Recognize when unconscious bias occurs and why it's important to understand. Well, that's why they call it unconscious bias, as opposed to conscious bias. You don't know what's there. But apparently she can teach you, Stacy Gordon, who is a diversity expert, can teach you to know when your unconscious bias is coming up. Explore how unconscious bias is relevant in the business worlds. Identify three strategies to counteract potential unconscious bias, which are fire all the white people, fire all the white people, and fire all the white people. Define confirmation bias. If you want an example of that, folks, here's confirmation bias. All police officers are racist pigs who like to shoot black people. That's confirmation bias for you, right? It happens once, they all are guilty. Review the meaning of the halo effect. And if you want an example of that, folks, mostly peaceful protesters. Oh, look, those two people holding a candle for a little vigil. Look how nice they are. They're so peaceful. And the other 1,000 people rioting and burning down the cities. So that's why it's a mostly peaceful protest, because you have the halo effect. You see the two, and you're like, they are all like that. They can all behave like that. Explore the effects groupthink can have in a professional setting. And if you don't know what groupthink is, look at the Democratic Party. This is from the New York Post. The Simpsons finds replacement to voice Carl after Hank Azaria's exit. Fans of the... Do you watch The Simpsons? I, I, I think I've watched maybe two episodes. And one of them was when The Simpsons and Family Guy did a dual episode. So that's like a half... So I've watched like 1.5 episodes of The Simpsons. I just have never found it funny. Fans of The Simpsons might notice one character sounds different in the season 32 premiere Sunday. Talk about beating a dead horse. That's, that thing's been on for 32 years? Damn. Carl Carlson, Homer Simpson's nuclear plant co-worker and Lenny Leonard's best friend, will not be voiced by Hank Azaria, at least in the season premiere episode. Carl will now be voiced by actor Alex Desert, according to Variety, although it's unclear whether this is a permanent replacement. The switch comes as producers for The Simpsons said earlier this summer that it will no longer have white actors voice non-white characters. Azaria has been the voice of Carl, who was black since the beginning of the show, except Carl's first appearance, which was voiced by Harry Shearer. 31 years later, folks. 31 years of of Hank Azaria voicing this black character. Now it's an issue. Well, I don't know about you, White Boy Malcolm X, but I am actually actually glad that they did this. I, I... can already see how this has this replacement of firing of Hank Azaria throwing his ass out the door and hiring a black man to do that voice. It has improved the everyday life of minorities in this country. So this is, you know, more symbolism over substance. Welcome to Hollywood. I have a pack of fake liberals. City pledges to become anti-racist, review internal policies, you know, I have a credit card and now I'm terrified I might have a racist credit card. I mean, every time I pull that credit card out, I probably reek of white privilege and racism. I, I can only think, I hope, I, I'm never going to, I have to pull my American Express card out if I, ha- if I have a minority clerk, if I'm going to take the card out because I don't want to terrify them. Citigroup Inc. will spend $1 billion over the next three years on efforts to help close the racial wealth gap as it seeks to become an anti-racist institution. More than half the funds will go towards supporting homeownership for people of color and affordable housing by minority developers, Citigroup said in a statement Wednesday. The bank also earmarked $350 million for procurement opportunities for black-owned suppliers. And you know who they could hire, White Boy Malcolm X? Where is that? What's her name? Um, they could hire diversity expert Stacy Gordon with some of that $350 million. They could, they could, you know, funnel some of that over to her. We are in the midst of a national reckoning on race and words are not enough. Chief Financial Officer Mark Mason, one of Wall Street's most senior black executives, and that is Capital B Black, so you know he's a, he's a black executive, said in a statement, we need awareness, education, and action that drives results. Citigroup found that if the U.S. could instantly end, like, like that, the most severe forms of economic discrimination against African Americans, it could give a $5 trillion boost to the gross domestic product over the next five years. Kind of like what Trump did with record low black and Hispanic unemployment, but we're not going to talk about that, are we? Citigroup on Wednesday said as part of its goal of becoming an anti-racist institution, it will work to identify and end discrimination in its own practices and policies. The company said it would develop standards to ensure its software eliminates biases and it will ask the outside marketing, communications and legal partners it works with to ensure people of color are assigned to the bank's accounts. I can see that conversation. We don't want your best people on the show. <laughs> we just want the colored people. We just want They got what are the skin tones of the people working on the campaign? I don't want the, I don't want the, I just want whatever. Just give me the, the darkest people you got. I mean, more symbolism over substance. Another stupid silly. I'm I'm about to cancel my credit card, I guess. I do not want to be an oppressor until Citibank, you know, cleans house over there. High school football team banned from waving pro-police flag after online backlash. A Florida high school has reportedly prohibited their football team from waving pro-police flags during pregame ceremonies after critics said the display is racist. And you know who the critics are, folks. If you don't know who the critics are, it's, it's generally speaking, it's generally a bunch of hysterical millennial white women who make up the vast majority of Black Lives Matter. Players on the Fletcher High School football team, who are nothing but a bunch of little racist brats, have been running onto the field with the thin blue line flag since last year to honor one of the player's late father, a former cop who died suddenly in August 2019 after 29 years on the job. The school in the city of Neptune Beach has allowed the team to use the flag for 12 games dating back to last year, but following online criticism, which means a bunch of hysterical millennial white women who make up the vast majority of Black Lives Matter who are on Twitter, the principal nixed the practice over political concerns. Lori Lavender, the mother of the junior offensive lineman who started the tradition, told the station the pre-game flag waving is not political or racist. It's all about my son's love for his dad and his memory, Lavender said. Well, she's a racist too. You can't fly. Good God, good God, Lori! You cannot fly the Blue Lives Matter flag. Speaking of Twitter, Twitter has apologized for a racist image cropping algorithm after users—yes, dis- folks, computers are racist too—after users discovered the feature was automatically focusing on white faces over black ones. The company uses several tools to try to focus on the most important parts of the picture, trying to ensure that faces and texts remain in the cropped part of the image. But users began to spot flaws in the feature over the weekend. The first to highlight the issue was PhD student Colin Madland, who discovered the issue while highlighting a different racial bias in the video conference software Zoom. So Zoom is racist, too. Damn! When Madland, who is white... Posted an image of himself and a black colleague who had been erased from a Zoom call after his algorithm failed to recognize his face, Twitter automatically cropped the image (laughs) to only show Madland. In a statement, a Twitter spokesperson admitted the company had work to do. Our team did test for bias before shipping the model and did not find evidence of racial or gender bias in our testing. But it's clear from those examples that we've got more analysis to do. We continue to share what we learned, what actions we take, and we'll open source our analysis so others can review and replicate. I can't believe this even happened, White Boy Malcolm X. I mean, if you look at who, who actually codes and works for these high-tech companies, it's a bunch of spoiled pajama boy millennial wimps. I mean, these kids have had the racism beaten out of them from a very young age because they've just been told how horrible they are because they're white. And so now they're, they're programming, and I guess... Oh my God, this is what they call unconscious bias, white boy Malcolm X. Maybe Stacy, what's her name? What's it? Stacy Gordon, the diversity expert. Maybe she has something. She needs to get out to Twitter. <laughs> Obviously. My, how the big cities go right to hell quickly. Seattle pays ex pimp, ex pimp, white boy Malcolm X. He's no longer a pimp, but he's an ex pimp. $150,000 to offer alternatives to policing. I can only imagine, so let's dig in. Seattle now has on its payroll a convicted pimp who once vowed to go to war with the city, a $150,000 street czar, (laughs) whose mission, you can't make this crap up, whose mission is to come up with alternatives to policing, reports said. Andre Taylor, who appeared in the documentary American Pimp, about his life as Gorgeous Dre. That's his pimp name, White Boat Gorgeous Dre is getting $12,500 per month for a year, along with an office in Seattle's municipal tower, which I'm surprised they haven't burned to the ground, according to the contract published by Publicola. It comes just a year after his organization, Not This Time, was paid $100,000 to sponsor a speaker series that was called Conversations with the Streets. Taylor led one of the first rallies in Seattle after the police custody death of George Floyd, blah, blah, blah. They, They always have to throw that in there. The new street czar justified the contract to KOMO News as payment for his particular genius in a particular area, I bet, saying he can talk to gang members, pimps and prostitutes who won't sit down with anybody else. Black people as a whole have not been in a place to be compensated for their genius or their work for a very, very long time, he said. Not too many people can go talk to gangbangers in their territory and then go talk to the government in their territory, Taylor told the Seattle Times. He is a you know what he is, by Malcolm X? D- gorgeous Dre? He is a whore to the man. He is a he is he's a whore to the man. 150, and he's a cheap whore. Hundred and fifty I tell you what, Al Sharpton would not take one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the city of New York. Jesse Jackson would not have taken one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the city of Chicago. Uh uh-uh. uh. They may be whores, but they certainly aren't this cheap. One hundred and fifty thousand dollars for gorgeous Dre. To talk to pimps and (laughs) gangbangers and government employees who are all whores too. This is kind of a follow-up story, I guess you would say. So we had a story last week that in Iceland, the Icelandic church is doing, I would say, how will we put this, alternative advertisements for Jesus Christ. And they had one that included Jesus (laughs) with breasts and a dress. So we don't know whether it was a cross-dressing drag queen Jesus or if it was a transgender Jesus, but it was Jesus with breasts and a dress and, oh, and dancing. Yes, you're right. And dancing under a rainbow or something like that. So this is called, and I am not going to read this. Oh, my God. The long history of how Jesus came to resemble a white European. So somehow I, I, I'm willing to bet that Jesus is also a racist this is from anna swarthwood house the portrayal of jesus as a white european man has come under renewed and you, if you don't know folks what a white european man <sighs> he's a racist has come under renewed scrutiny during this period of introspection over the legacy of racism in society what did i tell you as protesters call for the removal of confederate statues in the u.s before just tearing them the hell down Activist Sean King went further, suggesting that murals and artwork depicting white Jesus <laughs> should come down. Take them down, folks. His concerns about the depiction of Christ and how it is used to uphold notions of, no, white supremacy, are not isolated. No, I bet not. Prominent scholars and the Archbishop of Canterbury have called to reconsider Jesus' portrayal as a white man. As a European Renaissance art historian, I studied the event I as Anna Swartwood House. I study the evolving image of Jesus Christ from A.D. 1350 to 1600. Some of the best-known depictions of Christ, from Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper to Michelangelo's Last Judgment in the Sistine Chapel, were produced during this period. But the all-time most reproduced image of Christ comes from another period. It is Warner Salzman's light-eyed, light-haired Head of Christ from 1940. Salman, a former commercial artist who created art for advertising campaigns, successfully marketed this picture worldwide. Salzman's painting culminates a long tradition of white Europeans creating and disseminating pictures of Christ made in their own image. I can't, I mean, this article, oh my God, it's like four pages of this crap. So I assume this ends when we have black Jesus, and then everyone will be happy because we have black Jesus. We don't have white Jesus anymore. You can't have white Jesus. But, white boy Malcolm X, if they have black Jesus with breasts in a dress dancing under a rainbow, is that racist? I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Uh Uh-oh. The hysterics continue. The death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg pushed me to join the Satanic Temple. (laughs) I am a 40-something attorney and mother who lives in a quiet neighborhood with a yard and garage full of scooters and soccer balls. I often walk with my children to get ice cream and spend weekends hiking through a national park. I am not the type of person who would normally consider becoming a Satanist. But these are not normal times is it just me white by malcolm x or does she reek of white privilege and devil worship in her luxury neighborhood walking with her kids to get ice cream and hiking through national parks like so many other women in the united states when i learned of justice ruth bader ginsburg's passing my first reaction was not grief but fear so she's just like the queens i fear that american citizens are inching closer to living in a theocracy or dictatorship and that the checks meant to prevent this from happening are close to eroding beyond repair. When Justice Ginsburg died, I knew immediately that action was needed on a scale we have not seen before. Our democracy has become so fragile that the loss of one of the last guardians of common sense and decency in government less than two months before a pivotal election has put our civil and reproductive rights in danger like never before. And so I have turned to Satanism. She is a hyster. She's a hysterical millennial wannabe. She's a forty-something, so she's right on the cusp. She is not Gen X. She is just. She is. I am throwing her out of that tribe. She is a freaking honorary millennial, as far as I am concerned. Another freaking drama queen. Just like. Uh, I wonder, white boy Malcolm X, if Chuck Schumer's daughter is going to become a Satanist and worship the devil because of. Re- Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies and a bunch of hysterical white women. You know it's a white woman in the suburbs. They're all Satanists now. Worshipping the devil. Well, that's a, you know what that is? That is a logical reaction to the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Worshipping the devil. Mental health experts warn about dangers of doom scrolling. Are you finding yourself wasting too many hours online? We have all been there. You hop in bed, grab your phone, open social media, and the next thing you know, hours have passed and you are left feeling down in the dumps. This has been dubbed doom scrolling. The Counseling and Wellness Center of Pittsburgh told KDKA that the pandemic has logged more people online and digging. Do you do that, White Boy makeup? I'm I don't really care about this article. Do you do, you do that? Do you doom scroll? <laughs> I, I, I do a little bit. I have to admit, I do do a little doom scrolling. I kind of flip through and... Allow myself to be gaslighted by the the mainstream media because yeah sometimes I'll I will I, I will go check out like CNN or something and I'm like it's I mean it's like Alice in Wonderland over there but I guess I do, I do doom scroll well I put this show together and all these uh all these news articles is it's like a massive doom scrolling here we go wipe by Malcolm X Amish brothers avoid jail time for sex with 12 year old sister what is it? Look at these two. I'm not laughing about the incest, folks. I'm just laughing. Look at these two. They look like they look like Lurch. From, they both literally they both look like Lurch from the Adams family. Two Amish brothers in Missouri admitted having sex with their 12 year old sister and getting her pregnant, but managed to avoid jail time because a prosecutor feared they'd be eaten alive in prison, according to a report. That's the po- <laughs> that's the point of prison. You're going to prison for rape. Guess what you're going to enjoy for the next 20 years? getting raped the abuse came to light after a doctor alerted authorities that the girl was pregnant just after she turned 13 and she said that four of her brothers two of them also minors had been having sex with her according to the Webster County citizen the eldest where are the parents I mean seriously four boys are are, are having sex with the daughter and the parents don't pick (laughs) they don't pick up on this the eldest two Aaron Schwartz 22 and 18 year old brother Petey admitted to police that they had sex with her at least half a dozen times, each at home in Seymour, starting when she was only 12, officials told the paper. The sister ended up giving birth just two weeks ago, and one of the brothers is the father of this child, Webster County Prosecutor Ben Berkstresser told the paper. The brothers, listen to this wipe Malcolm X, the brothers were initially both charged with six counts of statutory rape and one count of incest, but those charges were reduced to third-degree child molestation, a class C felony, the paper said. They then reached a plea deal last week for 15 years in prison. That would be 15 years of, you know, lurch from the Adams family getting raped every night, but suspended to keep them out of jail. The prosecutor insisted it was a different relationship than if a parent in a position of authority sexually abused or exploited the child and said the convicts were very immature. He also told the paper that the Amish community had punished all four of the boys and made it clear that this punishment was very severe. Like, what? Did they? they they take away the buggy privileges for a year or so. The convicted brothers must complete the Missouri sex offender treatment program as well as 100 hours of community service and write a letter as part of their punishment, the report said. Both young men must write a letter to me explaining how they're going to protect their children from this happening to them, Burke Stresser said. They have 30 days to get this letter to me. So these two boys rape the sister, knock her up, but they don't have to go to jail for it. They get punished by the Amish community, a very severe punishment. And they have to write a letter. I'm assuming that's white privilege. I'm just going to read the headline. I, Meghan Marco reportedly has serious ambitions to run for president. I don't even need to read this. That fame whore is at it again. Skip, I'm skipping right over that one. California sheriff's deputy pleads guilty to having sex with teen boy. There's a whole lot of raping going on. A California woman was sentenced Wednesday after pleading guilty to having sex with a 16-year-old boy while working as a Sacramento County Sheriff's Deputy. Shauna Bishop, 44, will serve six months in custody and five years of formal probation. She is also required to register as a sex offender, KCRA reported. Bishop turned herself in back in June of 2019 after the boy's parent filed a report with police in their hometown of Folsom, California. So question for you, white boy Malcolm X. Well, this 16-year-old boy who was bebopped by, (laughs) bebop bebop boobed by Shauna Bishop, 44, and she's not the only one. We had a story last week where the kid was, what, 15, and she was in her 30s. Is he going to sue her for emotional damages? Like Anthony Rapp is, you know, that drama queen is suing Kevin Spacey. If you don't know who Anthony Rapp is, he was on one of the gayest shows ever, Star Trek Discovery, and he ruined House of Cards. I mean, I think that Anthony is is the only teenager <laughs> to, to, to not want to have sex with an older person. I, every week there's a new article of some teacher or someone banging a teenage boy. And poor, poor Kevin Spacey's like, of all the teenagers to try to hook up with, I get the one kid on God's green earth that doesn't want to have sex. And now he's going to pay for it forever. What? <laughs> Do you think she used the cuffs? Wait, boy Malcolm X, that is really inappropriate. Of of course she did. I bet the boy liked it. Uh Uh-oh. More racists. New York town of Swastika votes to keep its name. Officials in the small Adirondack town, located 50 miles from the Canadian border, have voted to retain its controversial name that predates Nazism, NPR reported. The four-member board of the town of Black Brook, which has authority over the hamlet, voted unanimously to keep the name after five minutes of discussion (laughs) (laughs) during their September 14th meeting. Michael Alcamo, a cyclist from New York City, inspired the proposal after he passed a swastika town sign during a recent ride this summer. He's probably bicycling all the way from New York. He's like, (gasps) oh, Jesus Christmas. The town's called swastika. Nazis, Nazis everywhere. Alcamo then reached out to county officials, because he has clearly nothing better to do with his time, to pitch a name change to the hamlet of about 1,500 residents. While the swastika was a common design element dating back centuries, it is now indelibly linked to Nazism, a global symbol of white supremacy and hate. I think it should be obvious that the town should update its name and should pick a name that is not so offensive to so many Americans and so emblematic of intolerance, hate, and tyranny. Alcamo told NPR... (laughs) Of course he did. And there's another pajama boy for you. Vietnamese, this is disgusting. Listen to this. Vietnamese factory busted, recycling hundreds of thousands of used condoms. What? Well, yes, that is probably quite a lot of semen. Yes, wipe out Malcolm X. That's true. So much for protection. A factory in Vietnam was busted, washing and reselling more than 320,000 used condoms. That is a lot of semen. To pass them off as new, according to police who raided the dangerous operation. To recycle the dirty rubbers, <laughs> they allegedly had roughly 1,000 of them delivered per month to the facility where they cleaned and reshaped them, according to the Vietnam Insider. Ugh, that is foul. During the raid on Saturday, local police seized a total of 324,000 used condoms. Again, a lot of semen, officials said. Thousands more had already been sold to unsuspecting customers. <laughs> Where they get these things from? I mean, I, I guess every whorehouse in Vietnam is is giving them away. Oh my god! You know there have been a lot of poop stories lately in the news. There was the the Poop-a-Loozy news story where the, the the dopey kid went and took a dump on on Nancy Pelosi's driveway, and then there was another article about this, this liberal woman in New England. And if you had a Trump sign in your yard, she pooped and she put it in your, in your mailbox. And I was like, I'm not printing the poop stories, but I got two of them back to back to back. I mean, we're almost done. We got like a couple more stories, but I, I got, I got the two back to back. I got more poop stories. So this is a trend. So I thought, okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to get on the bandwagon and read you out a couple poop stories. This first one is from, from Oklahoma. And which is odd because I've, this story reads naturally that it's a Floridian, but for a change, it's, it's not. An Oklahoma woman told police that she had to poop so bad before taking off and leading them on a high-speed chase new body camera footage shows. Emily Sint Owens, 28, who is from Oklahoma, not Florida, was pulled over around 9 a.m. Tuesday when a cop noticed that she was not wearing a seatbelt in the city of Enid, according to local police. She didn't have her insurance or any identification except, of course, a medical marijuana card, but the officer ran her information and determined that her driver's license had been revoked, News Station KARK reported. When he informs her that he's checking for outstanding warrants, she tearfully tells the officer, but I have to poop so bad, body camera footage shows. It's my birthday. It's my effing birthday, Owens could be heard saying. Why won't you just let me go, Owens asked him, to which the cop responds, because your license is suspended. Owens apologized again and reiterated that she didn't know, otherwise, I won't drive no more. But can I please go home and go poop, Owens said. It was then determined during the stop that there was a warrant out for her arrest for allegedly fighting an officer, according to police. The cop then asked her to get out of the vehicle, informing her that she was under arrest, the outlet reported. You have warrants in Woods County and they are coming for you, the officer said. But Owens refused to cooperate, telling him, no, they are not. F you guys. She then sped off from the scene, leading authorities on a pursuit for several blocks, with speeds topping 70 miles per hour, the outlet reported. Owens allegedly blew through several stop signs before she ultimately stopped and surrendered to cops with their guns drawn, police said. But she still apparently had business to take care of. Can I poop in your car, man? Owens asked as escorted into the police car. You could have already been on your way to jail, the officer said, to which she responded, yeah, but not pooping. Guess, this is the, here's the kicker. This is what you've been waiting for, X. Police said they discovered a pipe with meth (laughs) when they searched her vehicle. That's right, folks. She is a crystal meth junkie with a medical marijuana card. This is the other poop story. MTA board to formally ban pooping in subways and buses. So in New York, White Malcolm X, you can no longer take a dump in the subway or a bus. That you're not supposed to do this should go without saying. But MTA bosses believe they need a rule explicitly banning defecating on the subway. The new rule is on the agenda for an MTA meeting Wednesday. The rule will ban defecating on the city, subways, buses, and transit facilities. Transit rules previously mandated $100 fines for strap hangers who create a nuisance, hazard, or unsanitary condition. Creating an unsanitary condition surely includes pooping, but MTA, but MTA officials think they have to be more specific. The fact that the MTA has to pass a rule against defecating in a subway car says a lot about the environment we work in down there, says Transport Workers Union Local 100 President Tony Oltano. We don't ride for 20 minutes and go upstairs. We're down there for entire shifts. A rule is nice, Oltano added. A more visible police presence on platforms and trains would be even better. Well, that man's a racist. Everyone knows you put the police down there, those racist pigs. This is going to go down there and shoot black people. We don't want that. And then, the you know what happens with a corpse? A corpse will soil itself. <laughs> You're going to have more pooping down there. You get the police involved. This, I mean, this doesn't surprise me. I mean, New York is, I love New York. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it is is full of morons. They they voted for de Blasio twice. This is a local story, Wipo Malcolm X. Chronic exhibitioner arrested inside Salisbury Beach Reservation. A level three, sec- I don't know what a level three is. I mean, what do you got to do to get a level? What is a one, two, do you know? <laughs> Why would I know? I, I know you well, my friend. A level three sex offender deemed a chronic exhibitioner for repeatedly exposing himself since the 1980s. Damn, this guy's been at it a while. Was arrested again on similar charges Thursday, this time in Salisbury. Donald R. Sauve, 63... (laughs) 63 63-year-old man showing his junk of Kings Hill Road, Peabody, was arrested by state police around 445 inside the Salisbury Beach Reservation after witnesses said he exposed his 63-year-old genitals to women outside the state park's changing area. He faces charges of open and gross lewdness, and I will second that, and indecent exposure. Save, who also sometimes <laughs> uses the spelling Suave, has been... C- I am not making that up. I swear, it's right here. The guy... Donald, he goes, I guess he goes around as Donald Suave, or Suave, I don't know, has been convicted seven times on similar charges between 1988 and 2004. This guy cannot get enough of showing his, his junk to women. On July 1st, Suave was arrested, <laughs> Mr. Suave, was arrested in Salem, Massachusetts. That's where they burned witches, folks and charged with a subsequent offense of open and gross lewdness, wanton and lascivious conduct, and indecent exposure. In Salem? Hmm. That takes a lot. According to a witness, Suave was in a playground area near the pool when a female babysitter spotted him next to a large rock and some bushes with his pants down. Heavens. The North Shore has a real creeper on the loose, apparently. Rico Suave. Speaking of Rico Suave... And this visual will probably make you throw up in your mouth. Prince Andrew, a sex addict and daring lover. (laughs) New book alleges... Gross. A bombshell book alleges Prince Andrew is a sex addict and a daring lover, according to women who claim they were intimate with the British royal after being introduced by the late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Author Ian Halperin, who will release Sex, Lies, and Dirty Money by the world's powerful elite Thursday said he talked to at least a dozen of Andrew's alleged former flames. Can you imagine having to hear Andrew Prince Andrew's sex stories a dozen times? Halperin said, Most women painted Andrew as a perfect gent and said it was consensual. One woman said he was a very daring lover. There were no limits to where he would go in bed. She told me Andrew rocked my world in the bedroom, but she felt disappointed because after that, she didn't hear from him again. He ghosted her. Halperin said, One of Andrew's ex-lovers said he had a sex addiction because he was always second to Prince Charles. He compared his relationship with his brother to William and Harry. William is looked at as royal material, just like Charles, whereas he and Harry were the bad boys. This led to his playboy lifestyle. He wasn't getting attention. It made him feel special to get these beautiful women in his bed. Do you think, Whiteboy by do you think Prince Harry is also a sex addict? Or do you think that, that whatever the vixen wife of his keeps him occupied? You know, he could, if we, you know, that story I just had, I didn't even bother to read the story. Meghan Markle reportedly has serious ambitions to run for president. And I was just saying that the fame whore's at it again. But if if that ditzy, if, she, if, that ditzy, if the ditzy wife gets elected, you know what? He could be the new Bill Clinton. She could be in there and he could be off doing whatever. He could be Bill Clinton again. That's it, folks. We are, we're done. We're done. Happy birthday, White Bo Malcolm X. Happy birthday early. It's His birth week is this week. So thank you, everyone, for for tuning in today for our, what I think is our second gayest show ever. It could be the first. We won't know until whenever. Uh, We hope you had as much fun, if not more, than the two of us did today. Have a a great start to your week. Remember, if you want to reach out, my email, which I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, is Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. Have a great start to your week and we'll see you back here next Sunday. Take care.